0: Uh, Well, this morning is an introduction to the prophet of Zephaniah. It is only an introduction. I recommend that you go away and read it for yourself afterwards. And it's not a very long book. Anyway, it's three chapters. But it's one of these books which um, just leaves me trembling a bit when it comes to preaching it Um, for a number of reasons. Number one, it's full of judgment. Full of judgment against the Judah, the Israel of old, and about the surrounding nations. And as a reminder that the conflicts that we've been thinking about sometimes have to be understood as occurrences allowed by God to chastise nations that have just been doing their own thing, which doesn't take away the honour we give to those who died to give us our freedom. But it reminds us that there's a spiritual and there's an ultimate context in all these things. Our history is not just a human history. It's a a history which is lived out under the eye of God, who is the creator of all things. And he has a purpose. He has an eternal purpose. And although we look at history just from our own perspective, in actual fact, God has his perspective on history. So it's scary. It's scary looking at a book like Zephaniah, it's scary for another reason. There seems to be hidden in it, for me, there seems to be hidden in it more than just for his generation. You know how it is, you, you read some of these prophets and it's clearly what they're prophesying is for their generation or the immediately coming generations. But also there's locked into it that kind of extended vision where you have to say, God is not just speaking to this generation, God is speaking bigger than the prophet even understands. As though God's word telescopes out across history and touches other things. And there's something of that in Zephaniah. There's something of the almost apocalyptic in it. Um, Though I'm not sure that anybody would call it apocalyptic literature. And it starts with a real shock after Zephaniah himself is introduced. And we're told that uh, he was prophesying in the reign of Josiah, the king of Israel, who died in 609 BC. So that gives him a historical reference point. He was prophesying during Josiah's reign. This book begins with an absolute shock when you read it. It's one of those things that gets you standing and saying, what? I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Wow. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. It's not the only place in the Bible where we find language like that. Isaiah uses it. There's, a, there's an awful or awesome chapter 24, whatever you like to call it, which is apocalyptic in its content about end of days. And then there are the books of Revelation. We're not just talking about Old Testament here, are we? We're talking about the ministry of Jesus towards, in his final week, when he speaks of things to come, we're speaking about the book of Revelation where it talks about the summation of all things under the judgment and righteous, righteous action of God. When God says, enough is enough, I'm putting things right as they ought to be, justice and judgment and mercy will be meted out. This has something of that context in it. Uh, likewise, later on in the first chapter we read... I will bring distress on mankind so they shall walk like the blind because they've sinned against the Lord. And I don't like reading this. But their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. The God who is speaking Zephaniah do you know, capital L O R D I am Yahweh the God who brooks no rivals, who is the one true God, who is who he is and we cannot tell him what he ought to be and he will not be what we want him to be he is who he is, the maker of heaven and earth, the decider of right and wrong, according to his own character. This is the God who is speaking here. This is the God you and I believe in through Jesus. And he appears here as a jealous God. Because twice, there's one refrain which is picked up twice in this book. You find it in chapter 1 and uh, verse 18. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. And we find the same thing two chapters later in chapter 3 in verse 8. Where again, it's that phrase, For in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Now this points me in my mind's eye to Peter who says, No more floods, there will be a consuming fire at the end of days. It has links with what Peter sees to be the last days. And so there's... When you read Zephaniah, you can see so plainly that it's meant for his own generation. But as you look at the words and say, but has it happened exactly like this? And what's the full intent of these words? Suddenly, we're drawn out with our with the benefits of all the hundreds of years that have passed by and the other prophets and the later, and the putting together of all the scriptures and the teaching of Jesus and the New Testament which takes this up, we have the benefit of all this hindsight and new insight to be able to say this is pointing to end times as well. When we speak about God as a jealous God, that's a difficult concept, isn't it? Um, Shakespeare called Jealousy the Green-Eyed Monster. And uh, it has overtones of selfishness and suspicion and distrust and all kinds of stuff. But um, the root of the Old Testament word jealous is to become intensely red. It seems to refer to the changing color of the face or the rising heat of emotions which are associated with intense zeal fervor. Something that we're zealous over, something which is dear to us. So in both the Old and New Testament, words for jealousy are also translated zeal. And we all want you to have zeal for the Lord, don't you? We want you all to be zealous for what is right. So, like all these emotions that we find in the Bible, whether it's... um, whether it's anger, there is a bad anger. and there is a good anger, that holy righteousness and injustice, when you burn not because of what somebody's done for you, but because what somebody's done to someone else. There's good anger, there's bad anger, there's good love, there's bad love, there's lust, which preys on people, whereas real love serves other people. Do you understand? We have these emotions, they're good and they bad, and there's jealousy, which is a green-eyed monster in its wicked form, but is zealous for what is right and good and honourable in its good form. And God, our God, is a jealous God for righteousness and truth and peace, and he's zealous and jealous over his own reality. He's not selfish in this, but... When we see the reasons for the judgments that are about to be poured out, according to Zephaniah, we find that God is pouring out his judgments, not just on people, but on the gods they worship. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is speaking about um, um, the cup we offer. We're going to offer a cup later on. We're going to drink a cup of communion. Remembering Christ crucified for us. And he says that we participate in the sacrifice by faith when we drink this cup. And then he goes on to say, he's talking about idols as well. Keep yourself from idols. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I don't want you to be partakers or participants in the food of demons. And so we find here that God says, I will stretch out my hand. Now we're we're coming down to the immediacy of the prophecy now. Not its long-term view, the immediacy of... Of the promise, God says through Zephaniah, "I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal." Do you remember they'd allowed Baal worship to get into their into their system, and Baal was a, a hideous god and a fertility god. And uh, before Josiah was king, when this was written, there were two evil kings before them who introduced all the things that God is really angry about right now, all the idolatry and wickedness that God is now speaking about. Although Josiah was a good king and brought in reformations and re-established the Passover and got people worshipping Yahweh all over again, the evil practices of the kings that had preceded him, which had gone on for 50 years or more, still reigned in the hearts and the minds and on the hills of the nation. So God says, I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal. He is no God. He has no right to to take the worship of my people. That's my words, not God's. And the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests, there's two words, priests, here. The one translated idolatrous priests is translated elsewhere, priestlings. It's only used of the priests serving idols. I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal, the idolatrous priests, those who down, bow, bow down on the roofs to the hosts of heaven. Those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet really swear by Milcom, which is another, it's the Septuagint it's the, um, name for Moloch, who was a horrible God demanding child sacrifice. These things were prevalent in parts of Israel, had corrupted the worship and the service of the people, had corrupted their morality. And God, who is a jealous God, says, I will not brook this rivalry. And then later in chapter one, it's almost as though we're on an open bus tour. Jerusalem because it's so specifically for their time what he's saying on that day the day of the Lord when God sweeps through says a cry will be heard from the fish gate and over here on our left we have the fish gate and over there a wail from the second quarter and a loud crash from the hills Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar. We've been giving a a tour of, of Jerusalem here. For all the traders are no more, and all who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent. This word complacent, oh, it means sitting or settling on the lees. The lees, lees are the sediment that forms at the bottom of wine, if you leave it. Okay? And he's saying that these people, with all this corruption, all these false gods around them, there are people in this city, not only worshipping them, but there's others who may not worship them, but they're like wine that has been left undisturbed for ages. And it just settled on the sediment. They have been corrupted by their inaction, by their complacency. So that's not nice. <laughs> um, the terrible thing is that in the next chapter he speaks about the nations around about Judah, how they have mocked God's people. And here you see that God is not just jealous for his own glory, he's jealous for his own people. Zealous for his own people. And the nations around about have been taking advantage of his people. And God has said in a covenant relationship that my name is in you. When we are baptised, we are baptised into the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. God has set his name upon us. How we live and act and what happens to us is either an insult to him or a a hurt to him or a blessing to him. Because when we were baptised, he said, all that I am is all for you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we said, much the same as the Israelites did when they accepted the covenant, we say in effect when we're baptised, and all of me is all for you, I'm dying with Christ. Now I'm rising with him. A new life. And God is zealous for the welfare of his people. And that comes out in this book. God cares about his people even when their wickedness absolutely sends him red. To the point of saying, I've got to do something about this. I'm sorry, enough is enough. We get like that as parents, don't we? We say no. We say you've got two more chances. That's your last chance. Right. Go to, and whatever we say. Well, if it's righteous for us to do it, why should it not be righteous that God does it? And we remember that Zephaniah comes at the end of a long line of prophets. And the things that Zephaniah has been saying, is saying have been said by one prophet after another for more than a hundred years. It's not as though his people or even the nations around haven't had a chance to hear and do something about it. But things have got worse. So God says, right, that's it. The astonishing thing is that in chapter 2, he also says, Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, Nineveh was that great capital that Jonah went to a hundred or more years previously. It was a terrible place. Full of idolatry and wickedness. And out of Nineveh came all the, the scourges and excursions and military conflict with which Assyria uh, crushed the nations around about it. No evil surely can come to mighty Nineveh. Zephaniah hmm. says it will. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herds shall lie down in the midst of it. Now the thing is, if you Google images, Nineveh, they're rebuilding bits of it, just Josiah the king, who was a king when Zephaniah preached, died in 609 before Christ. Three years later, the Babylonians sacked Nineveh. Seven years after that, the Babylonians crushed the Assyrian nation. And just 18 years after that, everything that Zephaniah and the other prophets had said about Jerusalem was accomplished. And Jerusalem was sacked and laid waste. Thousands died and just the poor were left in the land. People were taken into exile. God is not to be trifled with. Think how many years, how many generations he was striving with those people. Say, listen to me, please. It's not as though he's lifted up an angry fist and just gone, oh, scuff you. It's what we might have done, or I might have done, sorry. No. Compassion has held its hands out to these people time and time Again. And in the end, the name of the almighty God is being defiled to such an extent. And the nations around about are taking such glory out of this, as though God is no God. But being invisible and not even having an idol to his name is nothing. God does something. It's not as though even Zephaniah hasn't offered them opportunities. Chapter 2. Gather together, yes gather, O shameless nation, before the decree takes effect. So here it is, and gather before it happens. Before the day passes like chaff. Before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, all you who do his commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Well, maybe this helped prompt Josiah in his reforms. But it didn't go through the land. So even here we find God Pleading. The trouble is, people don't listen, do they? I'm trying to find a place and I've lost it in my head. But there's a point at which God says, I'm pleading with the people. You might find it while I preach. I'm pleading. But they don't listen. Listen. And I've got an illustration, so Colin, if you're awake still, God bless you. This headline appeared in the New York Post on Thursday of this week. What had happened was Hurricane Sandy had passed over, and then the night before, snows had come in some of the worst-hit areas around New York and on the East Coast so that people who'd only had their electricity back for two days lost it again. And this headline, Sandy, now snow and ice, God hates us, was the headline. Now let us suppose for a minute, which I'm not prepared to say at this point, but I'm dithering, that the things that are happening may well be a sign, America, wake up. As it was in Amos, I sent this upon one city and that upon another city and this upon another city and that upon another group of people, but you did not return to the Lord. Let us just suppose that what is happening here, terrible though it is in human terms, is sovereign God saying, America you call yourself the brightest country in the world, the world's policeman, the world's peacekeeper, wake up, come back to your God, whom you've left out of your law courts and pushed out of your schools and secularized. Even if that is happening, God doesn't hate them. The headline is wrong. God does not hate even those He seems to judge severely because the scripture says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And the disciplines of the Lord are to bring people, wake people up, pinch them into the reality. Well, God says in Zephaniah, but no, they just return to their ways and so click. If you could click this, please. Do you see this headline change? God hates us, it says. Then underneath, with some dolly bird there, it says, but we have an angel. That is cynical. That is horrible. It seems to me like exploitation and sexploitation and a, and a, a finger in the air to God. Because instead of saying, well, if this is God, what... What should we do about it? This headline at least has said, even if God hates us, stuff you God, we've got our angel and it's flesh and we're going to do it. Are you with me? Thank you. Don't want to see her. Well, you might want to, but you can't. And that's what happens here. God says, I speak to them, but they don't listen. And so comes the judgment. Judgment. Now the amazing thing here is the last chapter. It is absolutely extraordinary and uh, I wanted to play I uh, know we haven't got time it takes no I want to play something then thank you now before it starts, let me tell you this is by a new uh, uh, an American Christian rapper. His name is KJ52. Um, It's going to be recorded, so I want you to know that he's got his own website. You can check him out, and you can get his stuff on on iTunes. It's not to everybody's taste. I ask you to persevere to the end, and then you will understand why.
1: Two versus the son of God in murder one, how do you plead? Guilty as charged. You promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. So go ahead. I solemnly swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, now so help me God. But I testify what I'm speaking of is a, a witness encounter, experience of a kind of love. I confess now to what I was. Guilty of making the very son of God and I shed his blood And I was guilty of the reason now why he was hung And I'm guilty for every evil thing that I'm done I'm guilty for it all, I can't blame no one I'm filthy with what caused the death of the son It kills me to think that I was the one who shed his blood I'm still thinking the way he died now and how it was and it fills me with pain inside, I feel like throwing up I can't escape, I can't lie, I didn't make it up I was the only one who took the life the holy one This is the first time I confess now to what I've said I'm guilty Guilty. That's right, I'm guilty. God forgive me, I'm guilty. You know what? I'm guilty. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I did it. Right out in the open for all to see, and I never hit it. I got to admit it. They took the whip, ripped his back, wide open and split it. I heard him cry every time they pulled it back and hit it i wondering why I wasn't silent now. I didn't get it. Watch him die while he cried out. No, witness. finish? I thought nobody would find out the crime that I've committed. I tried to hide out. It's too late. That's right. I did this. It's my time now. My own eyes have been a witness to my crime. Now I'm speechless and I'm defenseless. Can anybody find out? It's obvious that this is my final time. Now I finally come to my senses. I'm going to climb down and take whatever I'm sentenced. I know why now. There's no way that I can miss this. Open my eyes now. See him just for who he is. This my guilt is mine now. It's so obvious that I'm guilty. God forgive me, I'm guilty. So I'm guilty. Spite, I'm guilty. I'm just another person, just another man I was the one that hurt him, finally understand Now I know for certain, I caused the nails to land They left him dead and murdered, pierced and beaten hands So now you heard it, I testified and I took the stand No other way I could worry, this is my confession And I never lied, I purged him, told just the best I can But I was the one that cursed him, I was the trigger man The page is turning and I now just confess to this I didn't kill Christ, but it was just my sin that did Now I confess to the crime, I don't deserve to live I'm ready to do my time. Is I'm guilty I'm guilty. <laughs> God me, I'm guilty. I don't deserve to live. I'm guilty. Take me away, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Case number seven 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 five two. Page two versus the son of God and murder one court is found, you guilty as charged. However, after further review of the case, prosecution has dropped the charges. You're free to go.
0: And at the end of Zephaniah, we read, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you, He has cleared away your enemies. On that day it shall be said, To Jerusalem, don't fear Zion, don't let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And I shall change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. And at that time I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the people of the earth. When I restore your fortunes. Now God has so loved this earth, not hated it. And we know the rest of the verse, don't we? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't bring Israel out of exile and back into their own land. They did build a new temple. Their religion was purified. Their worship was purified through their exile into Babylon, but then it was corrupted again. They've been in exile again. Now Israel is back in its own country again. But in the meantime, God has sent his son, who has demonstrated that he is willing to take all judgment upon himself and release all those who return to him. Of every tribe and every nation, British, German and Japanese, Russian, Chinese, East-west, from every tribe and every nation, every tongue, Christ died because God doesn't hate us, even though at times it looks like it. He cares about us. He's jealous for what is right. I've almost finished, but this is another of those areas that I find very difficult to interpret. Because Israel was chosen by God as a nation to declare his glory to the other nations. And Paul tells us he hasn't finished with those who are Jewish by birth. He tells us in in his letter to the Romans it also says there's a new Israel and we are the new Israel grafted into the faith of the old Israel so the zeal that God showed towards his people through Zephaniah he shows towards you he is jealous over you he is angry at those who despise you He really doesn't like it if we listen to the gods of others. Judgment does begin with the household of God, according to Peter. That's the New Testament. But we have a God who says, Guilty as charged, but after reviewing the case, the charges are dropped. A man has stepped forward. A body has been broken. An eternal sacrifice has been made. Trust him. You're free to go. And taking this longer view again, <clears throat> you read this last chapter and you think, however horrible or terrible the world may look, or as a Christian at times and in other places, It feels very hard to be a Christian in northern Nigeria at the moment. It feels very hard to be a Christian in some Malaysian places right now. It feels very hard to be a Christian in many places. Not like here. But whatever outrages, whatever difficulties, whatever hurts, whatever wickedness actually seems to blot God From our eyes, Zephaniah tells us that at the last, all the nations will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, Yahweh is the only one true God. John said we worship him and keep ourselves from idols.